Did you know one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? <laughs> that means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues. So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities. We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Jennifer Ritter and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. Good morning, evening, or afternoon. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, Josh. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I've been stalking you. Oh, yeah? Have you? Yeah, on Facebook. That's not creepy. <laughs> so, I am head over heels with your new photos that you're doing. They're so cool. The little macros? Yes! I did not worms. know that I would love looking at little bitty ants and things so much, but they're so neat. Tell uh, us about it. So, I think the most popular one so far is the sweat bee. It's the size of a grain of rice. Right. And I've got it blown all the way up to almost the full frame, and people are like, oh, my God, I didn't know they looked like little hornets. That's crazy. <laughs> I, know I haven't seen that one yet. My favorite one is it's a berry and the ants on the berry. Yeah, that one's pretty nice. It's so good. I just took one of... This crazy bug. I forgot the name of it. It was like sucking the life out of an ant. <laughs> it was sucking the life out of an ant. It looked like something straight from Stranger Things. Like oh, yeah. Vegna had started <laughs> sucking its brain out. It looked like the mind player. Yeah. There you go. It was pretty crazy. Speaking of Stranger Things, have you have you watched it? Oh, yeah. Well, I don't I'm, wanna... caught, I'm caught all the way up. Me too. Like, I love it so much. I really wish they would, you know, just send out an episode like one at a time instead mm -hmm. of here's the whole thing and then we end up getting no sleep for like four days in a row because yeah. those episodes are like a movie each i uh, see i'm the opposite i'd rather binge them all at once like, that's what we did but yeah. i'm just saying like i was like oh god i'm so happy but i'm also so tired i know so yeah i'm excited for the next little i guess how many episodes has come three more two more i think i that think was three okay maybe I you're think right they're an hour and a half to two hours a piece yep the next ones come out in july so let's see if you can find some more bugs that look like stranger things yeah Maybe you can. Bugs are creepy looking. They really are. They're beautiful too. Yeah. They look like they're from a whole other world. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back to season three of Impact Stigma. Our uh, special guest today served in the Army from 2005 to 2011 as a combat support military police, serving in Italy, Peru, and served as a, a combat deployment to Iraq. Um, he also just graduated with an associate degree in criminal justice from Northeast State University and is going to be attending ETSU in the fall to complete a bachelor's degree focused on probation and parole. So our guest today actually also has this really cool recovery group called the Granola Gang, and it is for supporting and advocating for those in recovery through recreational therapy and activities. So, we are so excited to welcome Morgan Bartley to Impact Stigma. Hello, guys. Hey, how's it going? That's yeah, great. Great. Thank you all for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So happy you're here. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here for sure. Yeah. Cool. So, one way we like to get to know our guests a little bit better is to ask them a couple of fun questions here and there. <laughs> um, Josh's are always a surprise. I say that yeah. to everybody. <laughs> Mine are not. We say that, but I end up using the same three or four. Yeah. If you listen to our podcast, you'll figure them out. You're like, yeah, <laughs> that's a surprise. That's not a surprise question. Josh has done that one before. <laughs> I'll go back to a good one, though. Okay. Okay. So, you can tell a lot about people by the food they eat. Mm -hmm. like, so, what is your favorite thing 
Oh, man, that's a good question because I have traveled, uh-huh. um, traveled to more countries than I have states. So for me, it, I would easily say like authentic Italian food. Yeah. And I say authentic because you don't get that in the States, you know, like when I was in Italy, I was like, I wish I could box a pizza and just send it back home. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> it's so good and it's it's you just don't find anything like it. So I would say probably authentic Italian pizza. Mm, that sounds delicious. Well, they make it better in Italy. <laughs> they probably do. They get the better sauce. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So what's your favorite thing to do with a granola game? Oh, man. To be honest, like just being able to fellowship with these people, you know, and being able to show them that there's ways to have fun and to fellowship with one another and being able to build those connections. But um, I've just found in my in my journey and in my experience, just recreational, anything in nature in general has been a really big part of this healing journey for myself. And being able to introduce other people to that has been wonderful. So, I mean, I, I really enjoy, um, I, I worked at a, at a rafting company. So, of course, rafting and, yeah. and caving. I'm a rock climb guide out there also. So, I those are my rafting. favorite things. I love rafting. Yeah. I've done the goalie a bunch on yeah. dam release. I yeah. love it. You'll have to go. Yeah, you'll have to come see us, man. Are you in the goalie? I'm not in the goalie. I'm off the Nolichucky, the gorge. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. All right, go. New customer. I know. Oh, no. I, oh, I see yeah, that. There yeah. you go. New customer. I sold it. Hey, yeah. We'll get you out there. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm all for it. I love going outside and doing that kind of stuff. I'm trying to get back into it. So I think COVID just kind of made us all so in reclusive and in, inside our homes. It's been really hard to be like, okay, kids, let's go outside and do activities outside. Mm-hmm. They're like, I want to stay inside and play my 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 game on my phone. I know. Like I'm gonna chuck your phone into the river. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I want to chuck my own phone ninety percent of the time. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. So I probably know the answer to the next question. But what is your favorite hobby? Oh, probably rock climbing. Rock climbing. I have to say, yeah. And I, I'm a gearhead, okay. so I like to buy all the stuffs. <laughs> and then go try it. Yep. <laughs> I wonder how so, cool I can look doing this. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. Awesome. So if you could be any insect, what would it be and why? Oh, man. This was a really good question. Um, so I would have to say, and this might be kind of typical, but uh, I love the idea of the butterfly because they start kind of ugly, mm-hmm. you know, they do. and uh, and when they, and they transform. Or squishy and cute, so. depending. Some of them are squishy right, looking and cute, yeah. but, you know. For the majority, they're ugly. Okay. I <laughs> but with that, you know, and, and a lot of my story here is just like this transformation in my life. So I kind of connect a lot with that. And then it comes out just as something so beautiful. Yeah. Um, I have this weird thing that happens to me speaking of butterflies. When I was growing up, I um, grew up in Newport. I've, sp- I've spoken about that before. But Grandma Doris had a butterfly and hummingbird garden out in front of her house. Uh-huh. So she had this big, huge house on top of the hill, and it was white. And then she had a big, tall magnolia tree, which is where, that's where magnolia in my mm-hmm. life comes from. And then all in front, she had, like, all these flowers for attracting butterflies and hummingbirds. Well, for whatever reason, whenever I was there, they would follow me around. Mm-hmm. So I'd always find a hummingbird in my face or a monarch butterfly. That was my favorite. And I, she would always get me, like, the little kits to have a, a butterfly and set them out. And now they find me. So I have a pattern that they've landed on my head. They've landed on my car. So I have a hummingbird license plate. Butterflies are kind of like my other thing. So that's really cool. Yeah. I love butterflies. Yeah. I've got a connection along with that too. Just like uh, my grand, both my grandparents uh, passed away. It's just something significant with that. Like since my grandma's passed away that I just uh, connect a lot. And when I see them, uh, 
you know, it makes me think a lot about them also. So. Mm-hmm. As always, we strive for candid, open, and sometimes even humorous conversations here on Impact Stigma. So please remember, this podcast is never intended to be a substitute for professional advice, formal diagnosis, or treatment for mental and behavioral health issues. If you need further assistance or have questions, please visit the Frontier Health website at FrontierHealth.org for more information. If you or someone you love has an urgent mental health need, please call 877-928-9062 and our 24-7 Frontier Health crisis team will help. If you, your child, or someone you know is in danger of suicide, go to the nearest emergency room or call 911. We want to take a moment and thank Food City for sponsoring this episode of Impact Stigma, and we will be right back after this message. A certified Food City butcher has a lot on his plate. He cuts, chops, and grinds every day. In fact, about the only thing he's not cutting fresh in-house are corners. Beginning at 6 a.m., he grinds fresh beef all day long and stamps the hour that beef was ground, not the day. So by the time meat from other grocery chains is hitting the shelves, ours is hitting your grill. Now that's value every day, only at Food City. Hello, everyone. Like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. And we greatly appreciate your support. So let's get back to the show. All right. Thank you again, Food City. So could you share a little bit more about your story? I absolutely can. Just a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm originally from Pike County, Kentucky. Nice. I was raised primarily in a small town called Rutledge. It's inside Granger County, which are only famous for tomatoes. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, growing up there, shortly into my teenage years, I became thoroughly interested in the military, Mm -hmm. went to the military at 17. I begged my mom. I was like, I want, you know, and I think it was more of an escape there for me too. You know, I was trying to find something just kind of away. Gotcha. Um, living in a small town and kind of being who I was. And uh, so I wanted to run away. So I served, like you've said there previous to this, that I served up in two t- 2011. I got out. And through that, you know, I've struggled with addiction, a lot of mental health and stuff. And that kind of led me into coming towards Johnson City, uh, seeking treatment in the, the local VA here. Uh-huh. And in that, I've just I've met some some really good people, and I've got a lot of really awesome help along the way and trying to find out who I am. And, uh, you know, I never thought, um, you know, I was 31 years old when I started school again. I never imagined actually being able to have a life without um, s- uh, such an issue with mental health mm-hmm. um, that I could sit down and try to find something more meaningful in my life. Um, and be able to go back to school and enjoy it. I actually would probably go you to school for the rest lo- of my life. You did life. tell me you love school. <laughs> I love school. Yeah, I of really, all really the things. Uh, yeah. Morgan's like, I really actually don't want to sound crazy, but I love school. And I was like, really? And he was like, yes, I love school. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. do. I love just knowledge and mm-hmm. and meeting people in that. And to be honest with you, like, I'm still really not sure what I want to do. I just right. know I enjoy where I'm at. Hey, uh, that's good. Yeah. That's always good. So, yeah, it's it's been a pretty cool journey so far, and uh, and now that's kind of where I'm at. I'm able to um, live on my own and, and uh, maintain school and have a life and stuff. That's so. good. Can you share your experience um, growing up and when you realized that you were a lesbian first, and then how did your family handle your news when you told them, and 
I guess, how do you feel coming out helped your mental health? Okay. Um, so for many years, I just know that I was different growing up. And it was a struggle, uh, a lot of struggle, because I didn't really understand what was going on. I lived in such a small town. I wasn't, um, you know, nobody in the town was gay or, or lesbian that I knew of. Like, that was right. just something that didn't mm-hmm. happen, you know. And I grew up in a, a pretty religious family of Southern Baptist, and, uh, and I knew a certain way that I was supposed to be living and what I was supposed to be doing. And, uh, you know, and, of course, gender roles were a big thing in my family also. And I just knew that I didn't fit in that. Like, I felt so different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I held that in for a, many, 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 many years until I was about 19 years old. And I was dating my first, it was like my first girlfriend. And I was so in love. And, like, I just felt like I had arrived. You know, I yeah. met this person that loved me. And, I, and uh, you know, I can remember being attracted to women and just kind of, like, beating that out of my head. Because I was like, this is not right. This is wrong. I've been told this is wrong. This is right. wrong. So I kept it hidden. When I was dating her, I was in the military and stuff. So I, I really hid that, um, especially in the military. Because, okay. you you know, it's a don't ask, don't tell. Um, if they find out that you are gay, yeah, they don't like that. They yeah. put you out for that, you know. Um, so that was another struggle in my life. So I really, this was like this whole double life I was leading. Right. And I knew that, like, I, and it was almost miserable in a way, but I was happy in one way, but I was really sad in another. So I can remember coming home, and, and my mom was always pretty, like, she was just really loving, kind of growing up as best as she could be. And uh, I remember coming home and on on leave one time and packing some stuff and I was like I'm gonna go hang out with you know this girl I was dating and she stopped me and she said uh you know Morgan um I want to ask you a question (laughs) I was like okay she says uh so are are you and uh this girl or are you and that she stopped and I knew what she was getting at and I just remember like curling in this ball and oh. just bawling my yeah. eyes out and I was because my mom that's just my mom you yeah, know like yeah. the one person that I don't want to like let down or disappoint and how she, like how I get emotional about it right now because oh. like I just was like this is the one person you know yeah. I just cried and she come and she hugged me and she said Morgan that's I awesome. just I've known I've just been waiting for you to tell me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, thanks, Mom. <laughs> this has been a lot easier a long time ago, you know. Right, right. But she was like, I, I can't wait anymore. You know? yeah. <laughs> and she told me, she just hugged me, and she said, I just want you to be happy. And, uh, man, that meant the world to me, you yeah. know. Not the response you were expecting. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and I definitely, you know, of course, there was a lot more to my family other than my mom but that was like the most important you know yeah um and it would definitely was not what i was expecting at all there's nothing like a supportive family member yeah, yeah. Really. oh my gosh it's been she's my rock that's Man, awesome she really is all right so can you share with us what led you down your path with addiction i absolutely can okay so as a child um my mom was married to a man that for about almost 17 years that was my stepdad. Yeah. For, that's who I knew as my father, yeah. you know. And at a very young age, unfortunately, I was subject to some uh, um, some sexual assault on, on his hand, you know. I, mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember how young I was when I started. I don't remember at all. I just remember that it lasted for the majority up until I was about 21 years old. Oh, wow. I can remember being 
about eight or ten years old, and one way that um, it was like a way maybe for him to connect. I'm not sure, maybe to like ease me. I'm not really sure, but we would he would take me outside of the home and would go to the gas station and buy alcohol and would make me drink alcohol, you know, and mm-hmm. and I can remember the first drink I ever had, and I was like, oh my god, like. I don't feel anything like I'm numb, like, okay, I'm cool with this, you know, mm-hmm. and just having that feeling of like, okay, uh, you know, I can kind of like, if this is going to happen mental. now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That's terrible. Um, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's sometimes a little hard to talk about, but, uh, you know, you, I know that there's more you than share me, what so. you feel safe sharing. That's Absolutely. all. I'm, I just want you to feel safe. Yeah. Um, I just know this is something also that, you know, I'm not the only one out there that's probably yeah. dealt with some of these things. And uh, so I, that's how it started for me. And as I got a little older, I remember I, I have two brothers, mm-hmm. uh, younger, we're all a year apart, and they were um, abused by him also physically. Wow. So my mom kind of just let us do whatever we wanted to do. Um, she was also abused as well. So we we would... Uh, leave and we would go and we like you know we lived in this small town so we'd hunt or we'd go fishing or whatever and then we'd ride around we got old enough and uh that was what we all did we went and we got alcohol and then we were smoking weed you know and just all the and that's like just uh what else made do you have things to do? I mean, care, I hate to right, say that, but small right. towns are usually riddled with that e- kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. and that's exactly how it was there, you know. So, and that's that's what we did kind of to escape, you yeah. know. My older brothers also dealt with addiction a lot, and, it, you know, he's had a really hard time with it also. But, uh, you know, that was kind of like what we did, and that's kind of how it started for me, uh, for sure. It was like the first time I can remember feeling on the inside, like I have this escape and this numbness away from like the things that we're going through and the things that I was experiencing in life. It was, you know, made it easy. Wow. So when you came out, um, you also shared that you still felt like things just weren't right yet. And we met, talked, and had a really Mm -hmm. great conversation. It was wonderful, actually. So if you wouldn't mind to share, at what point did you realize that you were actually a trans man? And how did it feel to share that with your friends and family? So, this one's been a little more difficult through my life. I can, I, I remember at about nine or ten years old, and we had this trampoline, and we loved it, you know. And yeah. I'd go out on this trampoline, I wouldn't have a shirt on, and I'm like, you know, I'm jumping with the boys. Mm-hmm. And always, you know, I was always with, with my brothers and my cousin. you know, I was yeah. one of them. I always felt that way. And I remember my mom running out of the door, and she was like, stop, 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 you know, put your shirt on, put your shirt on. And I couldn't understand why. Yeah. And it broke my heart. Like, I can remember my, like, physically being that young, and my heart was just like, why can't I? They're getting to do it. And I was, I actually cried. And my mom's like, because you're a little girl. And I was like, I don't, what? Like, I, it, it was just this moment that I still remember vividly in my life. And so from that moment on, you know, like I was shared a minute ago about like these gender roles, like in my family was very prominent and the way that, you know, 
girls or, or women and men are treated are completely different in, in that aspect. Yeah. So I remember growing up and being like my mama, uh, my grandmother would force me to, like to kind of wear like girls clothes and stuff. And I, I went through hated that too. It. Yeah. Lace. Yes. Oh my gosh. I right. look like a flipping doily. Corduroy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. You know, I didn't like it either. Yeah. So I completely understand. I, I yeah. didn't. We had that. I, it was very ginger roll in my family, uh-huh. too, so I remember that for yes. sure. Yes. Oh, and it was, oh, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And I can remember having, like, some boyfriends going through high school and stuff of, like, just trying to fit in. And I remember it being, like, like as if somebody was straight dating the same sex, if that makes any sense, the mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. that you would get. That's how I felt. And it was just like this pit in the bottom of my stomach. Like, this isn't right. I don't feel right. And I felt wrong like that for so long. And But I didn't know what it to, to attach it to. I didn't know anything about it. I just right. knew that I felt so different all my life. And I just didn't fit in with anyone that I knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I'm, you know, I'll fast forward a little bit. And I can, uh, I was married, um, uh, divorced now, um, while I was married to my to my ex-wife, I got introduced to a trans man. And I was like, that's, that's exactly how I feel. I remember having this conversation of like, oh my God, you're speaking my language. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and then kind of sharing that story of like how I felt growing up. And it was, it, it identified so much with that. And it was the right. first time I'd ever heard anything like that through my Your life. big aha moment. Right. Yeah. It absolutely was. And it kind of allowed me to just be like, I'm not the only one in this world that feels this way. Yeah. I felt that way all my life. So um, as I went to the VA for, for treatment and stuff, um, I was introduced to a trans female there that just come out of me, come at me out of nowhere and was like, there's this program here at the VA. Maybe you're interested. And that blew my mind because I remember serving and it's like, if you're gay or anything, mm-hmm. you know, like you're getting, you're out, you know? So they have a trans treatment team there. And wow. oh, that blows my mind. Yeah. I was going to ask, we talked about this. Yeah. And you kind of said, you mentioned, okay, so I'm, you're in recovery and you've, mm-hmm. you're getting to that point and you're doing like the mental health stuff because that part's so important. Yes. And then you were at the VA and you ran into this person. So I was going to say, please share that story. That's so cool. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So this was a trans female that I didn't actually, was not aware that was a trans female um, because he felt a lot like I did. It's like I can't be myself in a group of veterans mm-hmm. because I, I mean, I'm just being honest that vets can be pretty harsh sometimes, especially when it comes to things like that. So I'm going to say he only in reference to this particular, you know, situation um, because that's how I was introduced to her. Okay. okay. And um, it was like, you know, there's something on my mind. Can we talk in private somewhere? And uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um and at this time, you know, I'm still living as a lesbian. And so we have this private conversation and she goes, um, somebody, you know, just this thing's been laid on my heart and I feel like that I need to share it with you. I was like, okay, um, I want to let you know that there's this treatment team here at the VA that might be very beneficial to you. And I said, oh, well, okay, what is that? You know, and she goes further into telling me about this trans treatment team that they offer uh, what we call HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy. They have psychologists and psychiatrists and all these things um, that could be pretty beneficial, I think, for you. And I was like, how did you even know? 
<laughs> like I wasn't even living as a trans man, but it mm-hmm. was just out of nowhere. Like yeah. I don't know how she felt or how she got that. She just did. And we had this private conversation about it. So, and that's kind of how it happened for me. Mm. Um, 30 fast, years old, you know? Yeah. yeah. You said it happened pretty quick too. Uh, it did. It did. Um, within, I think my second visit to the doctor there, they went ahead and started me on um, uh, hormones. And um, I started, of course, I was in there for mental health, you know, for some um, mental health things that I was experiencing. I've, I've been a a suicide attempt uh, survivor of I've had three attempts on um, with suicide and uh, so that's kind of what sent me over the edge other than you know yeah. along with my addiction was absolutely a large play in that so uh, the PTSD the things sure. like that that I was experiencing um, you had a lot you went through a lot yeah yeah so I think that's really super awesome and brave and everybody should I think everybody should have you know check on their mental health and, and make sure they're okay everybody oh, should man and to know that that's okay. Yeah. You know, like, it really is. That's what kept me for so long of just like, number one, I didn't feel connected to anyone or anything. I felt so different and so disconnected from so many people. Um, you know, and then this coming out, like one part I do want to share is like, you know, my mom was supportive, but I still have a large part of my family that is not. That mean that meant a lot to me growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't even really have a um, relationship with at all, That's and um, that was a whole other you know part of like, do I do this anyway? Yeah, is you know because I love them and I care for them and yeah. I know that they're probably not going to love and care for me the same, but I had to realize that it was a this is a life and death situation for me. I think that's a tragedy. I mean, I really do. I hate that. I mean, I understand. I try to look at everything very, like, you know, from from all sides. Yeah. It takes a long time for people to have known someone a certain a certain way for so long mm-hmm. to kind of get used to a different thing. But in the end, it's your choice. In the end, it's, it's yeah. what makes you happy and who you are. And I think that just more people trying to just at least try, yeah. you know, to stand up and be accepting and, and, and do the unconditional love thing they say that they're going to do. Yeah. I think that's just got to start. I just really hope that, that more people hear this and they can try, just try. Yeah. Because I just, that feeling of I lost people that I love has got to be devastating on top of everything else you've gone through. It's heartbreaking. Sure. It's absolutely heartbreaking because here's the thing is I'm not a different person. I'm not. I still have the same heart. I still have the same mind and I still love these people with everything in me. I just look different on the outside. You know, like I'm still, I'm still the same person. I still right. feel the same in my mind and my heart, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. And, and so, and that's the thing is I'm not going to love you any different. Right. You know, and it's something I have had to learn to live with, you know, and that's where these, you know, I've been in therapy. I've done a lot of things for my mental health and just realized, you know what, it's okay too for me to tell myself it's okay to be me. It is. I'm yeah. look, that's great. I'm working on that yeah. still. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But I think that's awesome. That's yeah. Like, everybody should you know, aspire to be that way for sure. So what's the hardest part of your transition been? Um, I would have to say, you know, with this, uh, we started talking a little bit about this, uh, the mental health and stuff with that. And one thing that I would have never expected to really have to address was that even though that I have felt the way that I feel, you know, like being a trans man and like all these other aspects of my life, is feeling those ways, but like as I started taking hormones and, you know, I've had top surgery, there's some things that have changed physically about me, right? right? Mm-hmm. Which um, dysphoria is absolutely real. It's yeah. a, a, you know, a condition as we have is like, 
I may think that I look away a certain way in my mind, but when I look in the mirror, it's different, right? And it's like this. It, that's, it's it's so awful. It I've is. gone through that, and it's like shame, like times two. Oh, my. Yeah. Because I have this feeling in my head, like I think I look a certain way, and mm-hmm. I've gained a lot of weight, and I've had some issues with that, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, well. And then it's just like everything feels so like uh, like off. It just feels off. Yeah. You know, it just makes me feel uncomfortable and off. Yeah. And I, I remember having that for – you know, and being a young child and, and like not even looking in the mirror because I was like, I hated myself mm-hmm. at 10, 12 years old. I hated myself and like just continually growing into that of like this self-hatred because it was just like I hated my body. Yeah, I really, really did. So, you know, and the biggest thing with that has been as my body has changed, my mind it's still, it's like, a, it's kind of hard to explain. It's like my mind's still the same mind. So for my mind to catch up to my body, it's it's kind of hard. So one thing I'm absolutely grateful for is like I, I stress the fact that we have this treatment team with, with uh, psychologists and being in therapy during this period mm-hmm. has been so beneficial for me. And it's a lot of things that I see other trans men or trans, you know, women, people in the LGBT community in, you know, in any kind of form or fashion is like therapy is so... Yeah essential to me in my recovery yeah. it's something that i know that i have to do still today yeah. um, that i have to be consistent with it therapy saved my life i mean i spent two years in therapy and i was so so nervous about mm-hmm. it you know because i don't want to tell somebody my story yeah. what if i tell somebody my story and then i don't like them and they do a terrible job and then i have to go find another person and do it again it just re it like re-traumatizes me and makes me feel mm-hmm. vulnerable so I do struggle with that. I think that's a big struggle, in, no matter what you're dealing with in mental health, is going and meeting the right people. So it's like you've got to find the right person, and that's where like places like Frontier Health, you can call and ask for resources and help. And for you, it's the VA. Ask for help. You know, search out the right person, and then definitely go get some help because everybody needs it. Everybody needs to have their mental health checked, just like they need to check their heart. Yes, absolutely. You know? So, do you have a big misconception you'd like to eliminate? I think we even had a, a small conversation about this, too. Yeah. I want to tell you that, you know, even though my mom's been supportive, like, this is this is something I, I really want to share. Mm-hmm. It's like, my mom's supportive, and um, to an extent of, like, you know, she's, she's totally, like, cool with just me being happy, right? But something I've had to realize, too, is my mom has known me as a certain person for 31 years of my life, you know? So when I go see my mom and she calls me, well, we say dead name is like my, my name before I went to Morgan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my mom will out me quicker than anyone. <laughs> Not on purpose, okay? It's just habit. It's just habit. Yeah. And um, it, it took me, I remember going into therapy about this too, and I was like, you know, because I see other people, especially trans individuals, some of them can get kind of defensive about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I get that. I get that, you know, in a, in a in a sense, but I also have got this on a different wavelength of seeing that my mom has known me as Megan, you know, as her daughter for 31 years, mm-hmm. you know, before I transition. It's going to take her a while, you know. She gets the name good. We're good on that, you know. I love the little, I love the story about the name. Yeah. Okay. So um, with that, so like I said, I was, my name was Megan before that I started transitioning and um, I knew that one thing that would probably bother my mom more than anything is my name change. You know, like my mom gave me my name. I'm also, my middle name is a namesake. And uh, so I was really worried about that. So I remember calling my mom and I was like, look, I'm I'm, kind of worried about this. So what I want to do is kind of 
we, you know, see if you'll help me. Like, can you help me pick out a new name? And she says, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can, I still felt like maybe it, it still was a little, you know, bothersome just because it, I mean, you're changing something like mm-hmm. that, you know? So in between that time, I'm talking to my therapist and, she, and my therapist is like, are you thinking of any names? And I said, I, I like Morgan. Because it's kind of like easy, I think, right. to go from Megan to Morgan. And I just like the name. Um, and she's like, okay. Well, my mom calls me about three days later. And she said, so I've done some research. And she's like, Megan is Welsh. And the masculine form of Megan in Welsh is Morgan. You're like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it blew my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I couldn't wait. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I've got to tell you. I've been thinking about it. So it was like meant to be. That's awesome. Yeah. Does it so feel like home? It did. Absolutely. Good. I'm glad. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, over time, you know, she'll adjust to it. Yeah. 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 I struggle. My daughter, I have to give a big shout out to my daughter, Ainsley. I, I really, I told you about this. And yeah. I was like, oh, I can't, no matter how long it takes, I've got to, I've got to do this. So something that I've been working on is pronouns. Mm-hmm. And so I have, I'm 46, y'all. I grew up in, you know, old She's school. Old as dirt. I'm not old as dirt. <laughs> so I grew up with pronouns taught in English and that the they, them was a plural pl- pronoun, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of my problem is I'm like, but that's not a singular pronoun. You know, it's a he or she, you know, or they, them refers to lots of people, right? So Ainsley's like, well, mom, we're in, I mean, just nonchalant as ever. She's like, well, you know, like when you're driving the car and someone cuts you off and you get frustrated and you're like, what the heck are they doing? Mm-hmm. She's like, you don't know who they are in, you know, in the car in front of you. And it's usually just one person. You, you know, She's like, it's the same thing. You just say they, just like you refer, you, your reference to the person just made you mad in the car in front of you or not. But she used it because mm-hmm. I like literally like fussed at somebody in front of me. And she was like, that's how you use it. That's the same thing. And I was like, oh, my, like mind blown. I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, like I can see it now. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things where it kind of took my old school thinking of English being beaten in my head that they, them had to be a plural yeah. you know, pronoun because that's what we learned. That's what I mean. It's like your mom said Megan for 31 years. I have my whole life thought that pronouns have to be singular or plural. So now I can kind of like shed that and think, yeah. okay, it's just a reference to someone. It doesn't necessarily have to, I don't have to worry so much about that. Yeah. So it's made it a lot easier. She's a smart girl. Yeah, she so. is. That's wonderful <laughs> that I'm glad that, you know, that you have a daughter that is, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's able to, you know, make things kind of click and stuff. Yeah. Cause you know, like you said, we grow up a certain way for so long. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is like what I was sharing is like, it, it's just like, we need to be just as graceful, yeah. you know, especially to those we love and that try their best to support us it, in the I best way helps. they know how. I think it helps. Yeah. I think it helps for the per Like, I don't want to offend anybody. I worry so much about that. And I think that those that maybe don't care as much as I do about f- offending people, but if they had the ability to say, you know, I'm not going to be offended if you call me the wrong name. I'm just going to politely correct you, mm-hmm. and you're going to receive it in a way that, you know, you, you care about me and you're willing to receive in a way that's understanding – I think those two back and forth communications can really heal a lot. Oh yeah. So that's the way I see it. Yeah. All right, I have a cool question for you. All right. So when you this is something we talked about and I thought this was interesting. Mm-hmm. So when you quote unquote like pass as a man, right? To other people, do they treat you differently than before you started transitioning? And what are the differences in how you were treated as a woman and how you are now treated as a man? So, you know, I've thought about this a little bit more too. And you know, and something kind of popped in my head about that today was like, you know, and we've talked a little bit about like 
societal gender roles, right? And like what that looks like, especially in this area. It's just, it's prominent. It really is. And so what I have found is that, you know, as, as a woman or as a female, like I experienced some things, you know, that's part of my history. That's one reason that in some areas of my life, I do share who I am Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it can be useful. Um, and and not only that, that's a, that's a large part of my life for 31 years. I lived as this person and went through some things as a female and, um, and it, and that's hard to talk about sometimes, you know, but being able to, to do that and then, you know, transition into a man. And then unfortunately it's not looked at, it's almost like you're weak. Mm. You're, you're, you know, like if you ask for help, if you've got mental health issues, it's not okay to talk about. We talked, we had a whole podcast about that. Yeah. That vulnerability in men is considered weakness when it's really not. Absolutely is. But in that whole, in the whole, I guess, male just population, that's Mm -hmm. something that they all suffer from. They feel very lonely in the fact that, if they come out and say, I need help with something, they, they don't, they, they're the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the highest percentage of not seeking treatment when they need it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame. Uh, I, I hate that about it. And, you know, and it's not just necessarily, I'm not putting that as like women do this or whatever. Other men do this too, to other men, yeah. you know, a large part of the military. Like you go to sick call or you've got a mental health issue, then you're made fun of. Like wow. that's, it's, I love that I served and I love my country. There's a lot of things, but there are a lot of things I think that need to be addressed also. And what, that's one of those things of like, it's okay when you're not okay, right. because I've been there and I've pushed it and pushed it and pushed it back and pushed it back and being in a combat environment and like all these things and not be okay on the inside and still continue to push. I know what it feels like to break, mm-hmm. you wow, know, yeah. and I see it like all the time. You know, um, and, you know, like with addiction also, that that's almost hand in hand with a lot of vets. Yeah. I've seen a lot of suicides, you know, with, with uh, combat vets, but not just combat vets. You know, of course, in this, our recovery community also, it's oh, just sure. like hand over foot. It's crazy. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest thing I would have to say, you know, with, with just realizing that it's okay regardless of who you are, of like when you're not okay, expect you know when it comes to being not mentally okay i know where that can take you and i've absolutely been at the deepest darkest lowest point of like and not feeling like it's okay to say i need some help Mm -hmm. of like reaching out and like trying to commit suicide before i before i say i need help and like i don't want anybody else to ever have to feel that way it's awful yeah it really is all right well, one last question. If you could step into our shoes on this podcast, what would you have asked yourself that we didn't? You know, you guys have been pretty awesome, you know, with the, I have enjoyed the questions uh, more so. And I, I really don't know. We that did I that could, good? Yeah, I think you did pretty well. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't really add anything on that. All right. Well, that's good. So. That's great. I like that. Yeah. Okay. We did good. Yay. Yes. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for your time today, Morgan. We have really enjoyed talking with you for sure. This has been, I don't know, I just, it, it's very personal for me. And um, I just think it's wonderful that you're here sharing your story. Um, I think more people should be able to share. I hope our, I hope our society and our community here can start to bend and start to change and be more accepting. 
Um, I think it would lift a lot of hearts and save a lot of lives and really help a lot of people. So your story is very important to me because it's Pride Month, mm. and we definitely wanted to represent the LGBTQ plus community. It's really important to me, and so many of our employees here, you know, have really gotten on board to, you know, be very inclusive, and it's wonderful. So thank you for being here. It's been a joy. Also, for our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Impact Stigma, and we thank you so much for continuing just to listen in. Yeah, and don't forget to like and subscribe. It's free. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, you know, all that good stuff. You got to. The more you listen, the more you subscribe, the more you get reviews, the more people we make an impact on. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much, and don't forget to go make an impact. Stigma can make mental health problems worse and even stop a person from getting the help they need. Untreated mental illness places an enormous economic and emotional burden on our communities. Economic burden alone is in the billions and that directly affects all of us. We all play a crucial role in creating a mentally healthy community, one that is inclusive, rejects discrimination, and supports recovery. For us at Impact Stigma, this is way more than just a podcast. It is about igniting our communities, sharing our stories, and working together with listeners like you. We invite you to find out more about Impact Stigma on our website at impactstigma.com. One way you can make an impact right now is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family because you never know when something we talk about might be the reason someone you love asks for help. Mental illness is not a personal failure. We can't do this without you. So if you feel inspired to get involved, first, subscribe to this podcast. Then go visit our website at impactstigma.com. Watch the video and read about how you can become an impact maker. Thank you for listening to Impact Stigma. We're so glad you chose us. We want to thank our guests again for sharing your impactful story and doing your part to Impact Stigma. Join us next time as we enjoy some laughs and hear impactful stories. Until then, this work needs you. So go be an impact maker. Thank you and be blessed.